Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Cheerio and Pip Pip. What's up, everybody? This is Joel Cheeseman of the Chad and Cheese Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my favorite person in the world, Chad Sowash. And today we are super excited to welcome Rob Prince back to the show. Rob is VP of Sales now at Talent Nexus. Rob, drop some English sexy on our ass. It's always a pleasure, chaps. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. A little bit more background for for our listeners who don't know Rob. And if you don't know Rob, you should know Rob. Rob, give us a little more background on on you. Just the sexy parts. Go ahead. Walks on the beach. (laughs) Only the sexy people. Um, So the the sexiest part is the recruitment advertising part. Um, So, (laughs) Where's the buzzer? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm VP Sales at, at Talent Nexus. So we we're we're a programmatic recruitment advertising agency. Uh, the so we when did we last see each other? Like two is approaching two years ago now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've so yeah, go. So we've done the whole of COVID since you were over here when you checked out the the European recruitment marketing scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, catching up since then, I guess. I mean, what what's happened? Everything that related to COVID has happened. Um, so that's that's all done a full circle, and we're now in a completely different kind of market. And programmatic is finally getting somewhere in the UK, which is lovely. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. the The adoption in the UK. I mean, here in the US, adoption is slow, no matter what. HR, talent acquisition, it doesn't matter. But what we have seen is all of these companies now who desperately need talent in their front doors or working remote or whatever the hell, uh, they can't find them. So instead of just going to Indeed like idiots and spending a shit ton of cash, they're not finding enough there. So they're they're remembering that somebody knocked on their door to talk about programmatic and they're starting to do it. So we're seeing, I mean, some some big spikes in adoption for programmatic on this side of the pond. What are you seeing in, in England, UK, Europe overall? Yeah, de- definitely a big uptick. So we, I mean, for context, we've had the busiest month uh, in May that we've we've kind of ever had. Um, that's partly because programmatics getting adopted more, and it is partly because just suddenly, pretty much every industry is open for business now here. So a lot of companies are hiring again where they weren't before. Um, so a combination of those two things means that there's there's just a lot of money flying around in advertising at the moment that you can't spend, which you can't spend. I mean, because competition's way up, candidate. Uh, availability is way down. Yeah, I mean to give to give you an idea, I spoke to a care organisation the other morning, and in the afternoon, I spoke to a hospitality organisation, and both of them were convinced that the other sector was stealing all their candidates. <laughs> and so, I think what's happening is there's just less candidates available at the moment. It's yeah, it's mad. I mean, there, there's suddenly a real lack of candidates, which I think, I mean, I think recruitment and HR people might get that. But a lot of senior management, the impression I'm getting is genuinely baffled that there aren't candidates queuing out the door for jobs. Yeah. 
There's always got to be a bad guy though, right? It's like the guy across the street, the government, somebody's screwing me, right? But <laughs> it has has nothing to do with the prospective wages or this shitty job that they don't want to come back to or anything like that, right? Yeah. And it's also like, there's a very social aspect, I think, because now, so here we've got like pubs are open again. You can go to the gym, you can go on holiday within the UK at least. Whereas before people were in lockdown and still looking, because frankly, there wasn't a huge amount else that they could do. Like on people's personal list of priorities, making a life-changing decision like moving job is probably quite low down for the first time in a while. So yeah, combine that with the economic factor, the the, the programmatic bit of it, the way that job boards are now structured. Yeah, we're, we're in for a weird few months, that's for sure. So on the, on the talent nexus side of things, for those who don't know, sort of what is your guys' focus and it, has that changed at all? And then I'd like to know the sort of the breakdown for me is you have like your knowledge-based workers and then you have your sort of essential hourly seasonal folks and wondering what your perception is uh, on your previous comments on how those two groups are separate, if at all. Sure. So so in terms of talent nexus is focus. Long term, it's the same as every programmatic agency, which is we want to do world-class programmatic advertising for recruiters that we want to kind of set the standard in what's possible. Um, for us, it, realistically in, in Europe, one of the biggest priorities is blending um, duration-based advertising and performance-based advertising. Um, there's a massive split at the moment. I, I don't know if it's exactly the same in the US, but certainly in Europe, you you kind of have to manage your job board credits and your performance media completely separately. W- what we're working on at the moment is bringing those two things together so you can accurately measure a 30-day posting on total jobs versus a £50 spend on Indeed, for example. Um, in the short term, if kind of forget about all of that and and think that our goal is basically make, making programmatic as accessible to as many people as possible to fix what is a very, very direct hiring need at the moment. So we're, we're focusing a lot on people who are using Indeed for the first time or, or are certainly like rapidly increasing their spending on Indeed. Um, because as as like we know, but a lot of recruiters don't, if it, the way Indeed is built as a performance platform, it's kind of built for your, your average organization, which works in most cases, but pretty much always means that you're missing out on kind of 40 to 50% of performance because when you use an off-the-shelf version of performance, it, it's built for the average user, right? And, and no organization actually is the average user. Um, so guiding people through that, making sure that they're not wasting budget, making sure they're getting the, the best possible ROI is really important at the moment um, where, where people have got really punchy hiring goals. The last thing they can be doing is, is kind of wasting money and, and using inefficient uh, methods to get candidates. Yeah. So when you talk about Indeed real quick, now, do you have to use an entirely separate platform with Indeed IQ to be able to manage that, which makes it more of a pain in the ass for clients? Or is everything, can you do that out of a single platform today? The, yeah, that's a great question. We, there's basically three levels that you can uh, use at the moment. You could, um, you can basically apply the correct principles to the way that Indeed is natively set up. So by that, I mean, actually using campaigns, uh, splitting out your budget manually, making sure that, you know, wh- whether it's by location or seniority or job type, you're, you're breaking your roles out and managing your budget. Um, that would be like part A. Some, some organizations find that using like the, the Indeed IQ version 
can can add a layer of um it's not so much functionality as accessibility like it visualizes the data in a nicer way um gives gives you just sort of prettier reports and then if you want to truly optimize a campaign so if you want to do what we do which is get an extra kind of 40 50 percent of improvement from a campaign um that's where you want to put your feed of jobs through someone like us and then send it on to Indeed because there's there's a layer of functionality that Indeed just doesn't support yet. That would be, you know, breaking performance down by, by on like a job-by-job job basis. So like really, really granular, splitting out budget, splitting out objectives, um, knowing that you might want, say, 10 applications for your junior exec role, but you might want five applications for your, you know, senior engineer role, but knowing that they're going to be much more expensive, much more, you know, much harder to find or whatever. So yeah, there, there's a few levels uh, the trick is picking the one that's right and actually matches what you're trying to achieve so there's no point going super complex if actually there's you know an easy 30 percent of savings to be made just by doing the basics right so indeed indeed acquired click iq from your neck of the woods correct sure in order to create indeed iq curious yeah. what uh, in your neck of the woods what was the impression of, of click iq were they a superior product uh, has the transition over to indeed been kind of a clusterfuck or has it been smooth what's your take from from where you said and shout out to Richard Collins. Sir Richard. Sir Richard Collins. <laughs> and, his, and his Maserati listening right now. Yeah. You, you say my neck of the woods. He, he lives literally sort of two or three minutes down the road from my brother. So he, it, we're, we're real, real, really incubating recruitment marketing talent in our neck of the woods. At <laughs> we, so what was the impression? So there's definitely a lot of skepticism around like indeed buying click iq because one, one of the things that click iq used to push was that where indeed doesn't perform we've got access to all these other channels right so right. and regardless of exactly what split they were giving you the sales message was there are these other channels available um now once indeed owns that platform i think it's fair enough that like some eyebrows were raised over to exactly how that would work so that's the first bit, I guess. Like it, it hasn't been received um, fantastically in that sense because I think if people were using Click IQ because they wanted third-party intervention, then they've lost that because it's now first-party intervention. That said, I know loads of organisations that bought Click IQ and have stuck with Indeed IQ. I also know plenty of organisations that we've started managing since being on Indeed IQ because, as I said, like we're they're just different things. Click, Click IQ and Indeed IQ are like out the box functional ways to kind of boost your reporting, add some pretty basic but effective um, rules and sort of methodologies to your advertising. Um, that's not quite the same as like a fully managed programmatic agency. And, and I, I say that euphemistically, they're massively different. Like they, they couldn't be further apart. So I'm hearing there might be some conflict of interests that were were thought of when uh, Click IQ was consumed by Indeed. Is that fair to say? Well, then also steps done with AppCast. I mean, th there's got to yeah. be th those those conversations, right? Yeah. How do, how, do they, how do these programmatic solutions remain neutral or can they? I can't speak for other programmatic agencies. I, I mean, the way we do it is we, we remain completely transparent. So it's not about we can't change the way the industry works as one organization yet, right? We, we can't say... Um, oh, well, actually, we think that the way commission should be paid is X, Y, and Z because we just get a frozen out. So instead, what we do is we just remain completely transparent throughout the whole process. So our clients know, for example, that the reason um, the reason our service feels quite cheap is because we also get a kickback for every pound that we put through Indeed. Um, but that's also true of all the other performance marketing job right. boards, right? Right. So where you're, if you are Indeed, then 
it becomes a bit more complicated, right? Because you need to convince your clients that this this bit of functionality where you can also advertise on other job boards is probably right at the bottom of the priority list. It is the way it is, right? Uh, it, as you say, with like Stepstone and AppCast, everyone knew, I mean, Stepstone knew, there, there were no secrets, right? Everyone knew that that would impact impartiality. I think we even spoke, that that happened the, I think, was it the day before the last time I was on the podcast? That was like when you were in London? Yeah, it, it happened. I Actually, I think it happened the day that we sat down at the pub because I actually saw yeah. Richard at, breakfast shook his hand and i'm like when are you going to get acquired and he just kind of smiled at me and then the next day he was like yeah i couldn't tell you dude but yeah here's the press release (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so that was the big secret that that no one wanted to tell you (laughs) yeah yeah so also in the news we had uh last week or a couple weeks ago pando logic uh announcing the acquisition of wade and wendy which is a chat bot so Pendologic being a programmatic solution buying a chatbot, does that make sense to you or are you able to put those pieces together? Because I'm, I'm having a hard time doing it. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea why they did that. <laughs> so we ran, some, uh, we ran some research kind of throughout COVID to track what employers and what staffing firms were prioritizing and looking at, um, which we called, imaginatively, we called the pulse survey because we were trying to keep our finger on the pulse. Um, so we... And, and from that, there was a few bits that came out around like in-house recruiters massively prioritizing candidate experience. Um, that was like their top priority. Now, if you take a finding like that and work backwards, then I could say, like, well, maybe if you want to grow the appeal of programmatic, then maybe you start bolting on things which improve candidate experience, right? And one of those things would be if you were taking applications and then screening them or improving the quality via some kind of chatbot tech then maybe that means you're all front of the pack maybe yeah the problem was with that happened that actually started to happen uh, a couple of years ago and indeed put the brakes on it and anybody who started to do that on the front mm-hmm. end to filter out they cut them off because when Smashfly, they cut Smashfly off from gathering data uncommon was doing it uh, from a matching standpoint so it's like that was some organizations wanted to do right but it was cut off i wonder if pando's going to uh try to try to jump the innovation shark here yeah i i mean my my pushback in the first place would be it's in my experience it's pretty rare that people have got programmatic so right that they need to start worrying about add-ons um i mean the, the amount of organizations that are trying to put a lot of money into job ads having not written job descriptions properly um like this has kind of been my issue with the like chatbot growth generally. I can see why it's relevant for like your FTSE one one fifties, and you know I, that was a combination of FTSE one hundreds and FTSE two fifty. Doesn't uh-huh. matter. Big organisations. Um, I can see why it'd be relevant for your biggest organisations who are already putting millions into the candidate experience. But for your average recruiter, certainly in Europe, and I I, I wonder if it's the same in the US to a certain extent. I I would just put like tagging chatbots onto programmatic so so low down on the list of things to worry about um i was surprised when i i heard on your your guys pod that that had happened we'll get back to the interview in a minute but first we have a question for andy katz coo of next 
Andy, if a company wants to actually come to Next and utilize your database and, and target texting candidates. I mean, how does that actually work? Right. So we have the software to provide it two different ways. If an employer has their own database of opted in text messages, whether it's through their ATS, we can text on their behalf. Or we have over eight and a half million users that have opted into our text messaging at this point. So we can use our own database. We can dissect it by obviously by geography, by function, um, any which way. Some, and sometimes we'll even parse the resumes of the opted in people to target certifications so we really can you know dive really deep if they want to hone in on you know just give me the best hundred candidates that I want to text message with and have a conversation back and forth with versus going and saying I need 30,000 retail people across the country and that's more of a you know yes no text messaging back and apply for more information go to hiring.next.com remember that's next with the double x not the triple x hiring.next.com so let's spin real quick over to madeline lorano's research which i know you guys got a kick out of over mm. in the uk right it, talking about programmatic talking about uh usage growth those types of things but i think most of her research was uh, was uh, U.S. based. Was that was mm -hmm. that something that you guys could actually use as a hammer to go back and say, "Hey, this is this is working in the U.S. It can work here and help you guys from a marketing and adoption standpoint." I, I think one of the reasons we were so pleased to see it was that it um, echoed a lot of the things that we we have hopefully and you know optimistically been talking about for a while. Um, so when say so for example, I remember one of the points you made was that I, th I think it was like ninety percent of organizations that adopt programmatic don't go back or, yeah. or it, not even don't go back, but are increasing their investment in programmatic. Mm. Um, now that's awesome to see because we, so we, we make points like that all the time about our own clients. You know, we, we can proudly say that we, we simply don't lose clients for, for, for any reason other than like their recruitment need changes or they get bought by another company. You know, we, we've lost a couple like that, but in terms of, does programmatic work or not? We just don't lose clients like that. But, but obviously, if I say that to you, it's like, yeah, you know, you're the salesperson. I get it. Um, when you've got an industry-wide piece of research where everyone's saying the same thing, regardless of provider, regardless of exactly how they've used it, that the programmatic as a methodology really works, that's really exciting. So it's like, okay, so now how do we differentiate ourselves within this field of good suppliers rather than how do we convince the market that programmatic as a theory is useful, you know? Yeah. So does that help kind of like crowbar some of those individuals, those companies off of antique tech like Broadbean? Because I mean, it's like everybody, everybody's jumped on to, you know, again, back in the day, it was so easy. It bolted onto your applicant tracking system. It just worked. Now that was kind of like a dumbed down version, obviously, of what can happen today with per, uh, performance and targeting and those types of things. I would imagine that's probably the hardest obstacle for you guys at this point, isn't it? Just to get people off of uh, riding the horse and to get into the Ferrari. 
Yes, although, although funnily enough, we, uh, so I'm trying to think exactly when it was now, probably about six months ago, we launched a, um, like the a kind of industry first integration with Broadbean. So they're, they're like frontline recruiters could alongside using Total Job, CV Library, et cetera, mm-hmm. they could use Talent Nexus as like a drop down option. Um, and the reason we did that, well, there's two reasons we did that. One was so we could get quality information back from Broadbean, but as important as anything was like the user experience of how programmatics view. So for all the while, it was this kind of separate, super high tech, very intimidating, um, different thing. It's quite difficult to get people on board. You need some really forward thinking clients to make that happen, which we, you know, we were lucky enough to get a few of, but we could feel that there was this massive barrier between us and like mass market appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, since going on to Broadbean, w- w- the, the growth has been fantastic. Like seeing people view programmatic as this way of getting more from Indeed and their competitors um, rather than this completely separate way of working has been really exciting. And it, it's led to this huge growth and this big, big adoption that only would have happened if a major player like a Broadbean or, you know, an Idabu or a Logic Melon or whoever you guys use. Ah. Uh-huh. And that was actually kind of the key to it, it turns out. Having Broadbean recognize the opportunity and the like that's where the market's going, that was actually the key to unlocking a load of a load of kind of new opportunities. Would have been smarter if they did five years ago, but yeah, no, that's that's great. <laughs> Better late than never, dipshits. <laughs> so so if that's the case, then what you're saying is most programmatic solutions are having a hard time, I guess, with this with the value proposition or helping companies understand why they're so important. Am I hearing that? Or do you think that the market is catching up to the why of programmatic or is there still a lot of uh, marketing and, and messaging to do before people really get it? I mean, I can only speak for the UK, really. I mean, I, I can speak for some of Europe, but so, um, you know, I'm not going to speak for the whole of Europe. Uh, the UK try and do that too much and it never works. So we within the people I speak to, there are a huge amount of people using Indeed who don't truly understand how Indeed works. Um, now, for programmatic to make sense as a proposition, indeed or indeed IQ, okay. no, just just indeed. Okay. Um, so they they will have kind of bought into the idea that it's the biggest job board, so they need to be using it. Um, they'll have been told how much budget, you know, indeed will have told them how much budget to, to spend. They'll have tried doing that, and they'll they'll see whether they get applications or not. Um, now, the weird thing that then happens is, like, I'll talk to them about some of the the. the problems that are almost built into a standard you know like a completely average indeed account by definition that's going to lead to some challenges like your budget's not going to be evenly split across your roles for example now the fact that i can say something as simple as that and and the vast majority of people will have recognized the problem but not realized that it's something they could fix that's where we're starting from and that's why like programmatic yes we we need to do a lot more um, you know, as an industry in terms of explaining exactly what that is, how it works, why it's valuable, et cetera. It's actually, you know, th- there's education that needs to happen a step before that, which is, well, how does paper performance work and what are the implications using that approach as opposed to a traditional model, um, which I think is one of the things that um, the, the aptitude research spoke to, which th- uh, there's an awful lot of misconceptions. Chad, do you remember what Chris Foreman said was the percentage of companies that were using programmatic? It was really high, which struck me as a little bit odd. It was like over 60%, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was in the US, I think. Okay. it was. I think it was mainly US-based. Yeah. Where would you put it in the UK, Rob? I think when we've talked about this before, because we, we've used that um, Chris's stat a lot, 
Um, they're like the US is ahead of us and they're up to like 60% now. I, I would guess that we're at about 20 to 25 of, of um, companies of a certain size. Um, I don't know exactly where we'd cut that off, but that certainly doesn't include, you know, SMEs and the the smaller players. But within within the top kind of, you know, those big advertisers on the job boards, I'd say about 25% of them are starting to use programmatic. So all companies would be sing- low single digits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of all companies, it'd be tiny. Well, it's awesome to hear the integration with Broadbean because, again, to be able to hook up a, a V8 to a horse and buggy is uh, always, always <laughs> – Wonderful to watch. Uh, but but prediction from you, knowing that Dom has left, the CEO of Broadbean has left. I mean, CareerBuilder has been selling things off left and right. Broadbean's really the crown jewel, has been for a while, but really the mm. crown jewel. What is your prediction on who will buy Broadbean? Oh, <laughs> the answer is the Chad and Cheese podcast. <laughs> just Just kidding. You know, I think the list of organizations that could buy Broadbean and do anything, and, and by could, I don't mean, you know, just with the money to do it, but I mean, are in a market position to buy it and then make it more valuable. Uh, it is a very, very limited list. I think, I, I don't know. Who, which names have you thrown around? I mean, if you think about it, Stepstone has a shit ton of cash. They're looking for a portfolio, right? I mean, it's it, those are the types of organizations that they really don't need the tech as much, right? They have the tech. Uh, Vonk, I think they're out of Vonk's range from a, from a buying standpoint because Apollo is not going to go clearance rack on this. If somebody mm-hmm. else had it, I think Vonk would have already already chewed them up. But I think you know somebody like a, a Stepstone or maybe a U.S. player who wants to be able to have a better footprint outside of the U.S. We have a halfway's good, you know, halfway's decent footprint here with Broadbean, but, uh, and then also has a compliance product, which is very big. If you want to push from the UK into the US in this segment, you have to have a compliance product. So it's anybody, I think with a lot of cash because Apollo's not coming off of that cheap. Yeah. There's, there's a few organizations in the UK that would be, that would be similar in the, like the portfolio sense, but I just don't think they're, I mean, without knowing the, you know, the, the figures off the top of my head, they just don't feel big enough to be able to take Broadbean, which as I say, like that's the crown jewel already in the existing portfolio to have adopt that into something else. You've got to be pretty big, right? And the opportunity, I think, is to – so what Broadbean are already doing with, with, with some success is they've got their Broadbean Boost product, which is bringing a kind of self-service programmatic element into the platform. And then they've got uh, the integration with us, which is all about – you know, if you've got a monthly budget to spend, if you want to do programmatic long term rather than just to fill a specific vacancy, then that's how they're using us. So they've kind of got both options for for who needs it. Now that really opens up a, an awful lot of the market to them, uh, to Broadbean, well, and to their clients actually. But I mean, the, the whole point is it kind of opens up that whole part of the market. Uh, it gets rid of the perception that they're this kind of old school way of doing things because you get access to the new way of doing things. Um, But it's also very familiar and comfortable, right? People, most, most recruiters who have have sort of moved around a few agencies or a few employers on their way up through the ranks um, will have used Broadbean at some point. And it's very difficult to quantify how valuable that is from like a brand and sort of consumer loyalty perspective. Yeah, it's comfortable. Um, it's That's a lot of users, right? That's yeah. a lot of users. Joel, prediction? Oh, for Broadbean? Yeah. So my prediction is that they're 
They're not going to sell it. I believe that Apollo's recent acquisition of Yahoo, AOL, TechCrunch, and a bunch of media properties <laughs> means that they're going to plug career builders' jobs into all these sites, which is going to include Broadbean as some sort of distribution tool. So I don't see them selling. I see them um, leveraging the new the new properties that they've acquired. They're going to use the horse and buggy as the amplifier. Okay, gotcha. I, I didn't realize that was an option. I'm, I'm 100% going with Joel. I don't think they sell it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Smart man. So Rob, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you out on this one. I'm I'm just curious your your British perspective on three companies, and you can make your answers pretty quick. But my 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 questions are uh what are your what's your perspective on Google for jobs as you see it in, in UK and Europe, uh LinkedIn and ZipRecruiter, which I know may have no relevance whatsoever, but they're going public here today in the US, and I'm just curious if they're uh, if you're hearing any rumblings about ZipRecruiter coming to Europe. So Google for Jobs, LinkedIn, and ZipRecruiter, go. Cool. Uh, Google for Jobs um, was launched to a huge amount of fanfare. And I remember a couple of conferences where it was all people could think about. Um, they were convinced it was going to break recruitment as we know it. And as far as I'm aware, it's been at least a year since anyone that I spoke to was talking about it as if it was particularly disrupting the way they worked. Very small amounts of traffic, most of which wasn't of very good quality. Um, it was just a different way that Google search results works rather than this like groundbreaking new product uh, is my impression so far. LinkedIn is considered absolutely essential by every single staffing firm that I speak to and the vast majority of in-house recruiters. Um, there is a huge amount of frustration about the way they work, but they have a complete monopoly on that style of sourcing in the UK, which is probably why they're allowed to have a slightly uh, frustrated reputation. Is it recruiter? I, I've always marveled since uh, since I started listening to you guys. The um, I remember when you first dropped the fact about them being, was it like the biggest sponsor of podcast advertising in the US or something <laughs> mad? Yeah. 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 I was like, I heard that. I was like, wow, that is significantly bigger in the US than it is in the UK. They are so zip recruiter fall into like tier 2 of aggregators in the UK. So indeed everyone knows and then if you're if you're in recruitment you probably know zip recruiter, adzuna, talent.com, maybe job rapido, jobgate, people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're very much tier 2. There's like no one would suggest I don't think even zip would would suggest that they're sort of attacking position 1. So yeah, I, I guess I guess the way it goes is they get enormous in the states. They do their thing, and then then they just need a huge amount of investment in the UK. I mean, their team over here is pretty small. Yeah. They, they they buy Broadbean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the one we missed. Yeah, yeah. So zip by Broadbean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Rob Prince, everyone from Talent Nexus. Charlie, good. Rob, if someone wants to learn more about you, I don't know, maybe even connect with you on LinkedIn or something like that, where would you send them? Uh, yeah. So if, if they wanted to connect with me on LinkedIn, I would definitely send them to LinkedIn um, where they can find me as Rob Prince, Talent Nexus. Um, TalentNexus.com is is the hub of all the good stuff that we offer, which is mostly free. Uh, so if you want like an Indeed audit or a um, an overview of how programmatic would work for you that's all on there yeah i mean i'm easy to find and we uh we are more than happy to help with um how people are getting set up and what their plans are especially at the moment rob prince everybody thanks rob appreciate it man thanks for having me chaps appreciate it we out thank you for listening to what's it called the podcast the chad the cheese brilliant 
They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.